This is Real Estate Rookie episode 229er. I preferred the method of not being an imposter syndrome, but just telling people, hey, I'm, I'm looking for property. Uh, I've had property in the past, you know, just primary residence that I ended up selling. I didn't know about house hacking or really major flips. And then when I met the guy that I bought the duplex from, I just jumped right in at him. Um, I figured I was nervous. I was waking up at like 3 a.m. sweaty and like, I'm going to screw it up or something I had to have missed. Right. And uh, just keep kind of researching and then realizing that once you get in it, you just learn so much. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And we oftentimes like to start the show with a quick uh, shout out to folks in the rookie community who have left an honest rating review for us on Apple or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And today's review comes from Bravesmith28. And Bravesmith says... Uh, this podcast has been constantly pushing me in my real estate investing career. Listening to this podcast has gotten me to think about different strategies. Um, and I've bought uh, three single family houses uh, since listening to this podcast. And I'm about to do my first short term rental. I wouldn't have thought about it without this in the other Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, the tips and tricks are easy to follow with whatever strategy you use. So, Bracement 28. Congratulations to you on the success, and we appreciate you giving us a shout out. And uh, if you haven't yet, please do leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform it is you're listening to. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller-financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. If you're in the landlord game, you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where Rent Ready steps in. Now, Rent Ready's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. So say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with Rent Ready. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. Now, if you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for just $1. You can't beat that. So visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. Tony, what's new? How's California? I bet the weather's great because it's pouring rain here. <laughs> it's actually like blistering hot today. It was like, it's supposed to, there's like a massive heat wave warning this weekend. It's supposed to get like into the triple digits, but outside of that, not too bad. But actually before we hopped on, I was a little late hopping on this morning because we were uh, negotiating with the seller for a motel in Utah. Um, so we're hopefully getting close to, to maybe getting assigned LOI on that property. And, um, we we're still have the Big Bear deal that we're working on. So there's a high possibility we end up having two hotels under contract at the same time, which I guess isn't a bad situation to be in. So we just have to figure out which one makes the most sense. But uh, we're, we're moving. It's progress. That's exciting. That's awesome. I knew you went to Utah 
a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't realize it was to look at a property. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was super last minute. We've been going back and forth with the seller and then we got pretty close on terms. We're like, hey, the seller's actually going to be at the property if you're willing. So I actually ended up driving up there. I was trying to fly but like there were no direct flights and I would have had to have landed like in some other part of Utah and still drive an hour and a half from the airport to the hotel. And it was only a six hour drive from my house. I was like, ah, whatever, I'll, I'll hop in my car and I'll drive. So it was a little road trip up to, up to Utah. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Ash? What's new? Uh, not much. Uh, finishing up our A-frame, started the refinance on that to pull our money back out uh, this week. So it's always good to get money back. Um, yeah. Exciting to wait for the appraisal to see what the appraisal says. Uh, our attorney says we should be closing on our lake house in like 10 days or so. So that's awesome, except for that like lake season is coming to an end. So we can't really enjoy it. But uh, it'll, it'll build the anticipation for next year. Yeah, the downfalls of trying to close in New York State, it takes forever. So yeah, but we have a couple closings. Uh, campground we have under contract we have the sign loi on it but now that we're actually putting the contract together with our attorneys the sellers trying to change some things uh one thing that he has all of a sudden decided that he wants is he wants 10 years of timber and mineral and oil rights to the property so there is a lot of timber on this property that's you know valuable and New York state also offers, um, kind of a tax incentive. If you sign up for their 10 year forestry program, they will actually come in and slowly harvest the timber over 10 years. So it's not just, you're going in, you're killing the forest all at once. You do it throughout time. And that actually helps the forest grow because you're getting rid of, you know, trees that need to be cut down. You're opening up the, where it's not so much coverage. I don't know the technical terms of it or whatever, but so sunlight gets in and more trees can grow, something like that. Um, but so you get a big tax savings on your property taxes. If you do this, where if we give him the timber rights, he could just go in the first year and slash all the trees. And we don't have that, um, those rights to get the, the tax credit anymore. So that's something we went back and said, no, we're not even considering willing to budge on that, especially with it being a campground too. We just don't want him to be able to come in at any time and, you know, just start cutting down trees. It's crazy how every market is like so nuanced. Like if, if I were negotiating with the seller and they asked me for timber rights, I wouldn't even have, I would have had to like figure out what that meant. Like I know, I've, I know mineral rights, um, but I've never heard of timber rights before. So that that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking about too, the other day is how, like, you didn't know what a well was Yeah, I, like pfft. for the water. Yeah, yeah. And it's just cause it's not common in your area. And Daryl is actually working on getting a new well or getting one rehabbed in a, on one of the properties. And I was thinking like, we should actually do a video on this for like, and I was like, well, what would people care? And I'm like, well, there's actually probably other people that don't know what a well is. And I would love to see like, that what goes into it. So, um, and if you can let me know, like, I'm, I'm still nervous. We have a property that's on a well, we bought one last year in Tennessee and I'm just still so curious, like what happens when the water runs out? Like, what am I going to do? But you know, they keep saying that it's not going to happen. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You know what that actually has happened on this property is the well, no the well water is so low. And that actually happened at my house, like my primary residence. When we built our house, we ended up just tapping into the well that there's two other houses on our property. And we just tapped into one of those wells. And last winter, the well actually ran off water because there was more people living in the other household. And it just like, we weren't getting enough water to keep up with the water usage in both. So we actually, as soon as spring came, we actually put our own well in now. Um, but learning about the wells with this other property we have, and Daryl kind of dealing with that is there's not enough water in there to, to pump up to the one house that's up on a hill. And so we're going to try and rehab it. And the, the people think that there's actually like some kind of blockage in there. He said, yes, it's very hard for a well to actually go completely dry, but there could be issues in it that it's just more cost effective to actually put in a new well than to rehab this one. So as of right now, we're you know going to spend $2,000. We're going to have them attempt to rehab it and see if that fixed the issue. And then um, if not, then we're going to go into to doing a new well. We got to do a well episode if, if for no reason other than my own interest and curiosity, yeah. we, we got to do a, We got to do an episode on like well water. Okay. Well, we're going to have to have Daryl do that because he knows way more than me. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have all of like five listeners for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, maybe we'll do well and septic together. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, today, anyways, uh, we actually have a friend of mine as the guest on the episode, and we're doing it in person. So uh, Ryan joined me at my house to to record this podcast. His name is Ryan John, and we are actually childhood friends. And just say we actually weren't like super close for probably since high school even, but I started riding a motorcycle and knew he rode a motorcycle. So last summer we rode motorcycles a couple of times and we started talking about real estate investing. And here we are today where Ryan is now a real estate investor. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super excited for this episode, not only because Ryan shares a tremendous amount of embarrassing memories about Ashley as a child, but he also has a, a fantastic story as a real estate investor. And one of my one of my favorite parts of this episode is where he talks about how he recently went to his first real estate meetup and how the very next day, a big, massive change occurred in his life as a result of that meetup. So make sure you guys listen towards the end because he shares uh, kind of how that experience changed his life. I thought you were going to say he talks about his first all girls sleepover. He went to that as well. Also, talks about <laughs> also changed his life. Meet Probably just as equally changed his life. <laughs> well, Ryan, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie podcast. Let's start off with you telling everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate. Yeah, my name's Ryan John. I'm let's say a year and a half into the real estate game, I started by nagging Ashley with questions I could have answered off of Google. And then she sent me some books and then I continued to dive from there. So before we go any further, what does your portfolio look like today? A whopping two units. I house hack a primary residence um, that I'm currently living in with my girlfriend. And then I have a duplex that originally was an in-law suite that I finished the conversion on that's rented right now. Well, Ryan, uh, we are very happy to have you on today and dive into your story. And I know you said a whopping sarcastically only <laughs> those units, but that is great. And that's part of the reason we wanted to have you on is because it's so fresh in your mind as to how you got started in real estate. So why don't we kind of talk about why you even considered real estate investing? Like what made you reach out to me? What was the first thing? And Ryan, if we can, before you answer that, just also give us some backstory on how you know Ashley and how she was as a child and like any other embarrassing stories you can share that we can use as leverage uh, for, for future podcasts. Um, I had my first all girls sleepover in like fifth grade with all her and her friends. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> Um, so basically, and with the property that I got, um, it started off just asking people for help, you know, like Ashley. And then I had other friends in the industry too. So I was kind of always intrigued by it. And then to be honest, seeing her on the boat, having fun, I know it's not all fun, um, all the time, but I was intrigued. I was like, okay, um, maybe not the nine to five isn't for me. Um, so I just wanted to dive in and, and get dirty and start learning. So once you started learning about it, how long until you actually did your first deal? You said you're house hacking your primary residence. Did you start doing that right away or did you get your duplex first? Kind of what did that look like? I moved into the primary first. Um, I wasn't house hacking it at the time. Um, I just actually probably a month or two ago, I actually just started house hacking it with my girlfriend. And then the the duplex, it was it was a year or so of just reading podcast, avoiding the shiny object. I was just like, oh, maybe I'll do this. Oh, wait, let's do this. Oh, wow, that sounds fun. And then I believe it was like the laps thing where like you narrow down what you want to pick. And I did that. I figured small multifamily is uh, going to bring a little bit more income than just a single family. I wanted to take a little bit more of a risk. Um, so that's when I decided to go that route. Okay. So once you made that decision, how did you take action? Like there's lots of people probably listening now that want to get into real estate. So what are some tips or advice you can give them so that they actually go out and get a deal? Uh, I, w I preferred the method of not being an imposter syndrome, but just telling people, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for property. Uh, I've had property in the past, you know, just primary residence that I ended up selling. I didn't know about house hacking or really major flips. Um, so just put it out there and then 
through meeting a lot of people at my old job. Um, the deal, I, I got denied on a lot of offers. I only put like five or 10 in, so not really a lot. And then just kept hammering down and meeting people. And then when I met the guy that I bought the duplex from, I just jumped right in at him. Um, I figured I was nervous. I was waking up at like 3 a.m. sweaty and like, I'm going to screw it up or there's something I had to have missed. Right. And uh, just keep kind of researching and then realizing that once you get in it, it's you just learn so much. Ryan, I, I just want to follow up with that because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, like fear and waking up in the middle of the night. I think so many rookies that are listening have that same fear around getting started. Um, at what point did you realize that you were ready to actually submit that first offer? Uh, do you do you remember that moment? Like what what switch went off in your mind to say, okay, today's the day. Here's the property. I'm going to put this offer in. Well, it, it it really started fast because basically I was at my old job and some the guy walked in the building and said, talked to the owner of the business and he said, hey Russ, the guy's name was Russ. He's like, can you sell my house for me? And I just I was like. That's where the ear, the ears perk up. Yeah, I barged <laughs> right in the conversation. I'm like, do you work at like a, a real estate brokerage or like why? What? No, what I used this? to be, I used to be an insurance appraiser. So I would like go out basically when you screwed up and tell you how bad you screwed up when you crashed your car. So I met, I was able to meet a lot of people through that, which I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, but basically the guy, he said, yeah, it's right in Boston. I, I live in Colden Glenwood and kind of Ashley's market too. So it's, it's right down the road. It was 15 minutes away. And he goes, I'm going there now. The, the driveway's not plowed. I'm wearing like sneakers, two feet of snow. I'm like, okay, I don't care. Like let's, you know, plug through there, walk through. I'm not a home inspector. I'm, I'm literally a rookie with all this. I just kind of used like my sense of judgment and the market was hot. And I thought the price was reasonable. And he denied a few offers uh, that were a little bit lower than what he was asking. So I just walked around for 30 minutes and shook his hand and then called everyone after and was like, can you look at this and make sure I didn't pay too much or it's going to fall over or stuff like that. So just kind of dove in with it. Did you give him what he was asking for it or what did you pay for it? Yes. This was before I read the Chris Voss negotiation book. Um, so... <laughs> I, I was a professional negotiator at my old job, but I was kind of like so excited to get going. Um, and he turned down a lot of offers. I just gave him his asking price. It was 185. I, I, I shot at 175 and he just shook his head. And I just figured why go back and forth? He's pretty set on his price. The, the market was fair. And um, long story short, with some of that stuff, the appraiser came back higher than my, my bid. So. What, what was it about this property, Ryan, that, that like, because you said you had been studying for like a year, give or take, leading up to that point. What was different about this property, this opportunity, as opposed to all the other properties you had seen before that moment? I like off-market stuff. My first home was off-market. Uh, the primary one I'm living in now, that house hacking was off-market, and so was this. So I just like the thing of not having to go through a realtor and kind of being in control of the of doing all that myself because I was a little bit familiar with it and had a lawyer. And then the main thing was the fact that I walked downstairs and it had everything to be a full apartment besides a stove and like a gas line for a stove. It was just an in-law basically right there and it just needed that little extra. And I don't think maybe other people didn't see that when they looked at it, but to me that that kind of stood out. Let's go through that process of buying an off-market property. So you've done that, what, three times now? Yes. Okay, so what does that look like? Can you kind of walk somebody through who's maybe never bought a property before or only used an agent, what that process looks like? Yeah, basically, uh, the first one is going to be the, the sweaty syndrome a lot. You're going to be all nervous and, oh, did I not fill out that form or something like that? But basically, I just called friends and family and just asked for a lawyer who specializes in doing like real estate transactions, uh, did that. And then basically just be married to the bank for the next three months when they call and say, Hey, I need this form. Hey, I need this. And just, just a little bit more legwork that I think, uh, maybe would scare someone off. I mean, it is easier to do a realtor. I sold my house with realtors. It was a breeze. 
Um, but just a little bit more legwork when you, when you don't have a realtor. What tips do you have for somebody who's looking for off-market deals besides just being in the perfect place and the perfect time when you hear somebody talking about it um, and eavesdropping? But what are uh, some other ways that people can find off-market deals? How did you find your other ones? The old school drive drive for dollars sort of thing. My old job, I was uh, did a lot of windshield time, as they my boss used to call it. Um, I just drove all around Western New York, and I mean roads that I didn't even know existed. Literally stuff that was like dirt road, not even on Google Maps yet, probably. And just I didn't really know about all this stuff yet, so I I would kind of like take pictures and then jot down every bad address that I saw. But um, I recently just did one too. It was down the road. I sent a letter, uh, didn't act fast enough. They emailed me back and they're like, oh, it's already listed. But just doing the homework that not a lot of people want to do, maybe go to the town halls, kind of get familiar with like the code enforcement, maybe trouble properties. Because I'm starting off and I just don't have that big bank yet. So that's that's the way I choose to look at it. One one follow-up question. And, and then I want to talk a little bit about the, the small multifamily piece. But uh, you said driving for dollars. First, can you explain what that is for folks that aren't familiar with that term? And then second, once you found properties that you liked, what was your what was your process from there? What was the next step? Yeah, basically, um, I took the advice from from your guys' podcast too, actually. Um, but just looking for stuff that's like overgrown. There's not a lot of cars in the parking lot. Maybe the the roof lines bad. Like it just looks like it's just been left to die, essentially. And obviously you want like a turnkey, like get right in there and get rent. Uh, but there's a lot of meat left on the bone normally if you can get the right price. And then this is honestly, I want to get better at this because I'm still kind of struggling with this part, but is is tracking down the owners. I know there's a lot of tools online and stuff, but sometimes they've you know passed away or there's no will uh, and, and stuff like that. So, and but say you do find that person, what like what would your next? Like, what do you do when you find that person? So the one, the recent letter, I've full transparency. I've done two letters at all. So, um, cause there's, you know, this market there, a lot of the houses just sell really fast. So, okay. um, the drive for dollars might not work all the time. Uh, but I, my girlfriend has wonderful handwriting. I don't, and I don't. <laughs> so I, I, I printed up like a sheet with my information on the bottom typed cause I didn't want to blow smoke or anything like I'm new to the game, but I wanted to be a little professional with everything. And then just a nice handwritten short message just to show that I'm not kind of one of these computer generated lists that just send out thousands of of things every day. So once it works, I'd love to come back on here and explain how well it went. But, (laughs) But so far it's, you know, I'm striking out, but that's part of the game. So What's her cut, her percentage if you end up getting a deal from one of her handwritten letters? That's a great question. I can't get her on the payroll. Well, I don't like the word can't right away, but I, I, right now I'm not set up to put her on the payroll. So <laughs> basically I took my tax return, I bought myself some gold, and then I gave her my old gold bracelet to get her <laughs> She gets the old gold, the you get the new gold. <laughs> I wanted her to get you know, the asset trading and you know buying commodities that are valuable instead of... Uh, clothes and stuff. I said I wasn't going to talk about her too much in this, but oops. Like my gold mic, hot commodity. Yeah, see, I, I love the gold mic. I was like, we can get along with this. So, Ryan, I, w- I want to ask a little bit about the the small multifamily piece. So, um, a, a lot of new investors, when they first think of investing in real estate, they think single family house, long-term tenant, you know, buy it, property manage it, do your thing. You went the small multifamily route. What What was it about that asset class that intrigues you more than going the traditional single family route? Honestly, probably listening to the the bigger pocket stuff, I heard a lot of people starting off because it's like safer in the single family. Uh, but I, I, I've i also heard the returns were a little bit less. So I was just kind of under the impression, well, if I get a duplex and let's say one of the tenants is bad or I can't book it, at least I have some cash coming in to, to cover the rent or the mortgage costs and everything like that. So kind of like to m- mitigate a little bit of the risk with it. Um, it's weird though with mine, it's a duplex, but I only have one tenant. So technically it is a single family. He has a large family. He ended up taking the whole unit himself. So really, I guess you could see, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. He was striking out a, a local real estate agent 
reached out because um, he works at a, a local plant down here and they ship in a lot of workers from out of state. And he, he was in an Airbnb for two months. He was bleeding out from that. So he was thrilled that there was an option for him to get in. And, and honestly, I'm pretty happy about that too, because he seems like a great tenant and I'm not, uh, I'm not negotiating between like noise complaints or anything like that, being that it is a new duplex and everything like that. It'd be really weird if he was complaining about noise, you know, it's like, <laughs> my, kids out. Kick, like kick. my dude, can you, <laughs> my kids in the lower unit, <laughs> but to, to touch on like that, how you said, like if one tenant isn't paying rent, then, you know, you have the other tenant and it's kind of like that security. At least there's some income coming in from other units. You have, you know, more units under one roof, there's less overhead per unit. And so if you had 10 in a, a complex that was 10 units under one roof compared to 10 single family homes, like there may be cost differences there because they're all under one roof. But you do have that side of tenant complaints then people, you know, living wall to wall to each other that there will be, you know, disputes over different things that you have to be the one that they think is the mom in the situation and take care of it, which it's not always the case. You're adults. You could take care of yourself and figure it out. But my biggest complaint about that is the tenants that they don't even talk to their neighbor first. Like, and that's sometimes that's all it takes is for them to say to the neighbor, like, Hey, just, you know, like I can hear you screaming at night or something like that in a way nicer way. But, um, that was like the thing I always did. Well, have you talked to the other tenant first and talk to them about it? And they would be like, well, no. And that would always be like the first step is to take that from there. So I like that. yeah, but I, I Daryl and I went to a property today too, which reminded me of the point that you made the more units under one roof was, there was an eviction there. The tenant hasn't paid since June. And so the eviction has been done and it's time to get rid of her content. So we went in and I mean, there's just stuff everywhere and just the garbage removal is going to be $1,100. We have to repaint. We have to put new flooring in the two bedrooms, just all these costs. And we're just thinking like, wow, if this was a single family home, like this would have taken away your whole cash flow for the year, maybe even more. And you would have broke even. But since there's other, other units on this, then it's, it's not going to hurt the property as much. This one unit out of 40, not making any income this year. I mean, it still obviously sucks, but that idea of having more units under one roof. That's a, that's such a good point, Ashley. I I think the only thing I would add to that is that for, for those of you that are listening, what's most important is that you just get started. If you, if you buy a single family, you buy a small multifamily, you buy a mobile home park, you buy an Airbnb, like whatever it is, I think just get started because this, this is what I like about your story, Ryan, is that you, you educated yourself, but as soon as you saw that opportunity, you're like, I'm not letting this pass me by. And maybe I'm ready, maybe I'm not, but I'm going to figure it out. And, and it was that one decision that's led you to the, to the success you've had so far. So for all of you that are listening, try not to get too caught up on which path, which model, which asset, which this, which that, just make the decision and get started because eventually you'll learn the lessons you need to learn to, to kind of make it, make it a successful thing for you. And there's so many pros and cons either way you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like one way is like multifamily, lots of units is the perfect way. It's not like there's tons of advantages to having single family too. To- like even me, right? Like people look at, you know, like I've, I've made a name for myself in the Airbnb space and even still I'm like, man, should I be buying self storage right now? You know, like that, I, I have those questions with myself like all the time. So it's like whatever asset class you're in, the, the grass always, I think feels greener or seems greener on the other side. So i'm curious have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked i totally get it it's tough to manage and keep filled but we found something that really works it's called vacasa they've seriously changed the game for a lot of the bp audience in almost every market they're in vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else and get this the average vacasa user sees about 24 percent more bookings than with other managers that's a lot of extra income Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Rookies, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. Nope, they've now rolled out proof of income verification. So let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. 
Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets, but if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. How great of a deal is that? So visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP like Bigger Pockets Investor to get six months of Rent Ready for only $1. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Well, Ryan, do you want to kind of talk us through the numbers on one of your deals? Do you want to go through the duplex? Yeah, I'll go through the duplex. Okay. I'm just going to rapid fire questions at you. And then you can kind of tell us more of the story of, you know, once you close on it, what has kind of happened. So what was the the purchase price? Purchase price, like I said earlier, 185. Okay. And um, how did you finance this? Just a traditional finance through a local uh, Nickel City funding in, in Buffalo. So like a 30 year fixed 30 year fixed. Yep. What was your, what was your interest rate on that? My interest rate was very nice. Um, <laughs> it's three. <laughs> that's another reason. Okay. Why. You already said three yeah, and yeah, that, we're all like, that, yep, that's good. <laughs> my my prime, we'll go quick to my primary residence. That was 2.62, which wow. wow. Love that. Um, the iron was hot. I wanted to strike again. I got 3.36, something like that. Um, so yeah, yeah just that's that awesome. alone was, was huge for me. Okay. Honest. And then what'd you do? Just 20% down? On the property? It was, I got, I was able to do like a 15% just because I got referred through another client that they work with. Oh, so cool. They, they did, they gave me a little bit of a break, which was nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, I didn't even realize that places would do that. That's cool. So definitely something to ask if a bank will do yeah. that. And then you go and find one of their clients and get referred and get a discount on your down payment. Okay. So you purchased it for 185. Uh, how much did you put into the rehab of the property? This is this is a true rookie statement because I'm literally I have rough accounting done. I need to sit down and just quick books it out. <laughs> um, I'm very good with the receipts because I had to do that with my old job with expenses and everything. So I'm gonna ballpark. It was probably ten, but I want to say closer to like fifteen grand. It was just adding appliances, flooring. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make it nice to to bring in a, a better you know, tenant. And did you do a lot of the work yourself or did you hire it out? Yeah. And I recommend, uh, halfway through, I learned to get off my wallet and just pay professionals <laughs> because I would say I paid my flooring guy like 700 bucks. And next thing you know, I'm demoing the basement drywall and doing all that. I come up and upstairs is done where before I was like banging my head against the wall, trying to do everything work till midnight. Um, and I think it's good to DIY cause you learn it, but you got to start treating it like a business, even though it's new, you got to learn to, to outsource, which is hard for me. And I think too, just the time, like, at least for me, I know how to put install vinyl plank flooring. It's just going to take me two days longer than paying the professional. So what is my time valued at? Am I actually saving money by doing it myself or is it costing me more? Because now for three days I'm installing flooring instead of paying a contractor who could get it done in one day. And then I'm actually working my regular business and what I do in those two other days and making even more money because I didn't have to be stuck, um, installing flooring. So looking at that, that opportunity cost as to what your time value is too, I think makes a big difference if you should pay a contractor or not too. Yeah. Can I add just one thing to that? I, I love what you said. You said 
get off of my wallet. I've never heard a phrase that way, but it's like such a such a, a smart way to do it. And obviously what you said actually is so true. It's like people want to hold on to the the five dollars, not realizing that they're costing themselves ten dollars by doing it themselves. But like one caveat I will say is that a lot of times when you're starting, you maybe can't afford to hire it out. So like as you're as when you are a rookie, maybe sometimes you do have to like realize that okay, cool, I am gonna invest a lot of time into this, but it's because I don't have the, the funds or the resources to hire it out to somebody else. So um for those of you that are listening, just know, like, if you have the money, definitely spend the money. If you don't have the money, don't feel bad about it. Well, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. And I would say, like, get creative, too, because, I mean, every state's a little bit different with, like, contractor rates and stuff. But I would get a hold of a friend that used to work doing trenches or drainage or general contracting. And you say, hey, can you come over here? I'll give you, I don't know, like 25, 30 bucks cash. And they're like okay, cool. Yeah. They, they, I mean, it's going to cost you 75 to a hundred to, to get a licensed contractor. But if you know someone in the game and experience and not that you're being a boss, but be a good like leader slash boss, don't be like brutal and beating up your people with, with work. They're helping you out. So just, you know, kind of incentivize them. Cause then I've noticed the ones I pay the most, they'll just come back and like, help me. They'll come over for a couple hours and they don't expect anything. And and uh, that's, that's kind of nice. goes a long way. I think too, when you're starting out too, it's great to barter. So if you have a friend that, you know, is really good at something, maybe exchange services with them for them to help you too with something. Um, Daryl, he's had, you know, bartered for stuff before and it's been like really great for me, you know, huge advantage for me. I don't have to do anything or pay anyone. <laughs> Wait, can I, can I tell you guys about a time I failed at negotiating? It was like the funniest thing. Um, for my, for my 30th birthday, we had like a 2000s throwback party and, um, you know, I wanted to dress like I would dress like in the early 2000s. So I, I wanted to get like a really big old school basketball Jersey. They only sell those at the swap meet by my house. Right. So I, I went to the swap meet, um, and, you know, the swap meets like all these different vendors kind of doing their thing. And, you know, you can usually like $5, no $10 and you guys kind of go back and forth. So I find this Jersey, it's like a replica of this Michael Jordan Jersey. And I'm, I see it hanging up. I'm like, okay, cool. This is the one I want. So I go up to the guy I'm asking, I was like, Hey, you know, you know, this is a nice Jersey. He's like, yeah, it's a great Jersey. And I was like, all right, cool, man. And I was like, look, I, I really want to buy it, but I've only got so much money. I was like, I'll give you 40 bucks for it. He was like, he, and he turned the jersey around and on the back side of the jersey there was like a price tag and it said 40 bucks <laughs> so i've completely failed at negotiating because what what can i do at that point can i go back and yeah. say i meant to say 30 so anyway <laughs> yeah. double check the price tags before you start negotiating was the, the the point of that story i think another way too to save money with contractors is also if you continue using them so today even when we got the estimate from the junk removal company this is only our second time using them and right off the way, right off the bat, we didn't even have to ask. He said, usually this job, I would say 1300, but since you guys are a repeat customer and you've, you know, talked about using us for other work, we're going to do it for 1100. And like, yeah, it can be like blowing smoke or whatever, but like, we do appreciate that for sure. And it still was our other quote we got was $3,000. So no matter what we were saving tons of money going with them and we've used them before and they were great. So, um, I think too, like using those same contractors and sticking with them, I think can be super beneficial if they do do a good job and they do give you good rates, like keep using them. That's a great point, Ashley. And honestly, like you can even kind of leverage that before you've done work with him. Like if you can say, Hey, I'm a real estate investor and I'm, you know, I plan to buy X number of houses this year. And every time I buy a house, I'm going to hire you to do my trash haul. Like that by itself can kind of help give you some leverage to, to get a discount. So that's a, that's a fantastic point. And like giving the contractor out for referrals. I think a lot of people like to hoard their contractors because they don't want them to get too busy. But even Ryan has sent me like your electrician that you use and um, other people's referred me to them. And I'm sure they appreciate it as much as I appreciate it. So next time Ryan needs a referral, like I'm going to go through and see who I can connect him with. And I think, you know, having that in like the contractors knowing, oh, Ryan has been referring me. I've been getting tons of work to him. Like I want to give him a deal too, because of that. Like, can I ask one follow-up question, Ashley? Are are there certain people who you work with that you won't refer out? I would say, yeah, there's one person right now um, that I I won't because I want to really use him for one project. And uh, I know that he's super busy already, but I think everybody else I would. 
Yeah. Yeah. Same. I I have like our our main guy who runs all of our rehabs in JT and I will never give his name out to anybody, but our subs, like our electrician, I'll refer him out. Our countertop guy, I'll refer him out. Our our garage door guy, but our our like main dude, like I'm taking that name to the grave. Like no one, no one's going to know who he is. I got a friend like that too. He's, (laughs) he, he was like, you can call him, but wait six months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. Okay, so now that the rehab is done, and what is the property renting out for? It's a we. I'm gonna be a little long winded with this because it's a it is a single family home with an in law suite. So it 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 would have cost a lot of money to get separate meters. So essentially, it's two units. I had two hundred uh, per month for utilities. So four hundred since he's taken the whole thing. You know. But twenty four hundred, and then the four hundred is included in that. And honestly, I, with our market, it's a little bit high. But the more I talk to people, uh, people are renting like sides of a duplex, so they don't even have a, a whole backyard, a whole house to themselves, shed, deck. There's a lot of amenities at this property, um, and they're they're nineteen hundred to twenty two hundred. So I kind of you know I'm right in in line with it, and I think a good lesson is. I bit the bullet and ate ate the first month's mortgage because I was looking for a good tenant. And I think an extra hundred to two hundred dollars isn't nothing if if you have a good tenant and you don't have issues. I think that's goes a super long way. So twenty four hundred is what you're you're getting in total. Okay, so you say you account four hundred to that in utilities, which um, especially when winter comes, is it gas? For heat, yeah. So yeah. you'll definitely need. And there is two central layers, you know. So yeah. So yeah. running AC. Okay. Yeah. Great point. So um. Okay. So what does your cash flow end up being after you pay the utilities and you pay your mortgage payment? It's spreadsheeted out at seven hundred. Um. I'm not taking this money or running to the bank and smiling and laughing. But last month, the guy actually when he moved in the he was helping me seal up all the windows he go oh this window's not sealed if i'm running the ac and i'm over here like oh, it's like this guy gets it like he's he's not going to be just burning stuff up on me so um i appreciated that I, and i was hoping it was going to go smooth and then last month it was a, a thousand seventeen. so i mean well above what i projected but like i said I, i'm not too high on that knowing that the winter is coming and he's from texas and okay, right. Nobody cares. That is amazing. Okay, your first, you know, investment property outside of your primary, a thousand dollars cash flow, even seven hundred dollars cash flow. And what? How much money did you end up putting into it? The ten thousand rehab, and how much was your down payment on it? It was. There was some like I gifted or took a loan out from like a family member, but I think all in right now I'm at thirty two thousand. We'll say. Yeah. So I. I just did the math. That's a 27% cash on cash return. I, Tony, I was going to ask awesome. you to calculate it and I'm so <laughs> happy you read my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's a 27% cash on cash return. Yeah. I oh, do. That's, that, awesome. that's amazing. Yeah. This is why I want to do my accounting so I can be like, oh, okay. It's, it's going okay. Good. <laughs> I have all the numbers in front of me, but you know. Didn't you know we do deal analysis live to let you know the results of what you well, that that is super cool, Ryan. That's awesome. Congratulations on that first find. So what's next for you now? What are you looking for next? Um, as much as I would love $1,000 uh, returns each month, um, I'm looking at just doing more duplexes and conservative, even if it is a couple hundred dollars. Um, I know, you know, all the deals aren't going to be a home run deal. Uh, but even like last night I looked at, there's a ski resort by us and there's a little mobile home and it's built in 76. I started learning, you know, you can't do a traditional mortgage on anything older than 87. So, but I figured let's, Hey, let's look at it and all that. But as I'm looking at it, I'm like, is this really going to be in line for what I want to do? You know, I'm trying, I don't just because there's a deal out there, I don't want to like jump on it. Um, because if it doesn't line up with what I'm trying to do, you know, I'm, that I'm jumping around doing too much and I'd rather uh, master, let's say one, one asset class and then, and then kind of move away from there. I mean, I wouldn't mind getting a campsite with her. We used to camp all the time and I got all the time in the world to manage something like that now. So can I, can I ask her, you say you have all the time in the world. What does that, what does that mean? 
I went to my first ever real estate meetup a, a month ago. Ashley sent me the link for the, like the local stuff. And I just had a really good time, hit it off with everyone. You know, there's people with no units and then there's 50, 100 units there. So you, you get a taste of everything. And I was talking to a local agent. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of an investor. And he's like, no, no, you are an investor. You tell yourself you're an investor. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, it helped help my self-esteem, all that. And then the next day I go into work and uh, we had a disagreement and uh, we parted ways. So I'm, I, I, I've been listening to the quitter podcast of the bigger pockets. I was planning on doing that three to five years, but Hey, my hand was pushed a little bit sooner. So I'm just trying to take advantage of the time and not, not feel forced to jump back into the traditional job market. Well, I think Ryan too, is we even talked about this a couple months ago. I think it was where you're like, I really don't have that much living expenses. Like you've always lived way below your means. You never made a huge income at this job anyways. And you've, you know, bought a house, you've never had a car payment, right? You always had your cars paid off. And I think that you had that foundation that you set your personal finances up like that has like put you in a great situation so that when you did leave your job, like it was okay. You weren't panicked to like go and you have your duplex money now. Like I, I think that is such a, a big thing that even if you're not ready to invest now, start getting your personal finances in order so that when you're ready to leave your job, you do have that option and you have some time to breathe and like figure it out. Okay, here's what I'm going to do now. And I think you've gotten a lot of like people having you do different stuff anyways during this time. And I think just the time you've been able to put into your investing and the research and everything has been kind of awesome. That's an awesome point because um, that's why I like hanging out with Ashley and other people in the business because they have just such a cool mindset where like if I talk to friends after I left the job, they're like, aren't you freaking out? I'm like, I've never been this relieved in like eight years. <laughs> like I realized I wasn't doing stuff that quote unquote aligned with me and you know what I, what I enjoy. And, uh, I'm glad you made the point about low expenses because I always, it was always hard on myself. Like, man, I wish I had like 50 grand, like cash reserve to just do whatever. But when I went to finance my, the duplex actually, uh, they're like, what did you, what did you drive here? I'm like my vehicle. Why? They're like, you've never had a loan on a vehicle. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like a country boy. I don't know. I just buy like beater trucks and they last me five years and cost me like two grand. So you start doing the math and, and then you realize how a lot of, there is a lot of people with a lot more money, but kind of like Ashley's saying, if you're just rolling a bigger ball and you're buying flashy stuff and you're buying liabilities, it's, it's, you're not going to get to the goal you want to be at. Um, you can just, I don't want to say like struggle and like don't have pleasure in your life, but just realize that you you might not need all the things you think you need. It might be more of like a want or trying to impress somebody and just own what you can own to survive and and save for the the cash assets. I think is smart. Ryan, kind of ask like, so what's you know now now that you have no day job, uh, what what's your plan here? Are you are you thinking about entering back into the workforce? Is this more of like a like a sabbatical, or are you planning to go full force into real estate and 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 never go back to the the nine to five? Well, since I'm, I you know I want to be clear with all the rookies because I'm a rookie too. It's not this is not passive doing the duplex stuff. Obviously, you know unless you were to let's say have a property manager handle all that stuff. Um, so in the theme of being passive. I'll say this now because I know Ashley's too busy, so she's not going to snipe this idea. But uh, <laughs> but um, my friend, I actually looked at these a couple years ago, but when you go to like a wedding event and they have those luxury um, toilet rentals, I, I just went to my friend's wedding and he actually told me a year ago, he goes, if you get in this business, I would rent it from you. So I go to his wedding and get slapped in the face with, oh, there it is. There's a trailer. It could have been mine. So I'm actually working right now to get a little bit of uh, private money and it's in the theme of kind of real estate because it is a rental entity. And I look at it as uh, the cash flow is equivalent in a weekend to what a month of, of rent is. So I'm kind of, you know, I like the pressure of, I could go work for someone. I could, you know, we all know friends, we could probably do side work or cash or 
you know, sell off some toys or something, but I like the pressure that kind of motivates me to try a, try a new business and make myself a little uncomfortable again. Ryan's known me a long time, but obviously not long enough because he made the mistake of posting on Instagram in a story of where he was getting a quote on these toilet trailers from. And I already went in, got my quote, and it should be delivered any minute in my driveway. She's going to rub it in and (laughs) deliver this bad boy. and I'm going to sink into my chair. But I think I, and I, I shared with you too, Cody Sanchez, um, on Instagram and she has YouTube too, talking about boring businesses and like, you know, you can be a real estate investor, but also like investing in businesses too, just to kind of diversify and, um, create some income and how to make them like as passive as possible too. So, um, she's really awesome to follow if you guys are interested in doing something like, um, the toilet travel trailers and things like that. Yeah. I mean, just, just one thing to, to add on to that, like it, you know, like not having that steady paycheck from a job, uh, is, is definitely a scary thing because as a society, we're so heavily programmed to think that that's the, the one and only way to make a living for yourself. And even if you've been studying real estate investing, and even if you've been like, you know, like deep in this world of, of entrepreneurship as a real estate investor, it's still scary when that moment actually happens. Because you're like, like, oh, like it's here. Oh my God, it's, it's happening, right? And, it, and it's scary. But I can tell you, like my my business had a tremendous amount of growth the, the day that I, I stepped away from my day job because it's like, like you said, there's this pressure to, to make sure that you're able to provide for yourself and provide for your family. And when you have a day job, you know that check is coming every two weeks. But when you don't have that, the check is only coming if you do the work and it, it does kind of motivate you in a way that this never happened before. And I think that's why when people take that leap, they see this, you know, hockey stick kind of growth because everything's on your shoulders now. So, um, I'm, I'm glad you recognize that and, and, and I'm glad that it's motivating you to kind of take that action as well. Yes. And I'm being hesitant too, because I've had opportunities, like you kind of just said of getting back into the workforce, mm-hmm. um, and people trying to transfer businesses. And it's so funny. It's like, People want to do that, but then they almost just want the worker bee because the minute you ask, hey, what what would the buyout be or what is your monthly payment that you would like? Because I'm trying to look at it like she looks at stuff, business stuff. I don't want to have to be in the field doing everything. I would love to be able to hire it out. You can employ people, you know, give them the freedom and all that. And it is they just keep a lot of older mentality or something like business folks think you just got to do it all yourself. And they think, oh, if something's quote unquote, easier, it's not going to last and it's not real. And like, you know, I, I, I'm all, all good with hard work. I think that's, you should work hard and smart, but, uh, not just hard. It's kind of like Robert Kiyosaki, how he has, um, the, the four quadrants. And like the first one is, you know, you're the employee, you work the nine to five job, you have a boss. And then it's also the, um, business owner. And it's where basically you own the job. Like, yes, you, so I think of, I always think of like a chiropractor, for example, like you own your chiropractor business, but you're not making money unless you're there cracking backs. So you have to work every single day to make money. If you take off work, you're not there. And even my dad, he, um, is a mechanic and he owned a mechanic shop forever. And it's always been really hard for him to take off work because he's the one that does everything, runs everything. And he has a few employees, but it's never, never had that person that could really take care of things for a long time because he's always put himself as he's the reason people come to his shop because they want him to work on their vehicle, not other people. So I think, um, kind of having the difference between that and then there's, um, you know, becoming the investor where, you are just investing in the businesses and it becomes, you know, a lot more passive. And Tony, what's the fourth one? Which one am I missing? I think so it's it's employee, self-employed, business owner, investor. Yeah. So the self-employed one would be the one where you're the chiropractor example. Right. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, uh, Ryan. I appreciate the trans- transparency, man. It's it's always a scary moment, but like being able to take that leap, like it's almost it's like the Matrix, right? It's like taking taking that red pill, and you see this whole new life that that you didn't even realize existed that. before. There you go. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it would be impossible for me to go back to a job. Like I would have to like 
find a sugar daddy or something. Like, I don't think it could be a death <laughs> I would also look for a sugar daddy if I had to go back to yeah. so I'd be, I'd be right there with you. Yeah. So Ryan, we're going to take it to our rookie request line now. This is where anyone can call in and leave us a voicemail at one 888 rookie And we may choose your question to be played for our guest to answer. So Ryan, here's today's question. Hi, my name's Dom. Um, I'm uh, new to this podcast. Um, I'm a student in college right now. I have um, just about $20,000 saved up in my account. Uh, how would you, what would your advice be to me to get started in real estate and what books to read and, um, you know, what other things I could do to prepare if I want to get into it? I would read for, for the book thing. That's, that's easy for me to, to, to answer is I got the richest man in Babylon in my, my duffel bag over here, uh, and relentless from Tim Grover. And those are just really good. Like going back to what Tony said is like, we're so ingrained that the, the only way you make money is trading your labor for time. And the more research you do on success, um, the most successful wealthiest people trade their money for money, like let the money work for them. Um, and then in regards to the 20 grand, I mean, I guess, uh, I don't want to dodge the answer, but I guess it would depend on like what market you're in. And I mean, they always say you can go partner with someone too, which I think is a great thing. Uh, me personally on my first one, I, I love doing it single by myself just because you got to take on all that responsibility. You learn a lot more. I feel like on a partnership, you could maybe push some of the pressure on someone else and it could be, there could be issues. Um, but honestly with the 20 grand, maybe you do, I'm assuming you're working and you're not a bum like moi. Um, you could get financed real easy on that luxury restroom rental too. So, and that might be a way to, to learn how to do, you know, the passive sort of income. It's going to take a couple hours of your weekend to get going on that. Um, and I mean, obviously you want to buy a house right away, but I have a friend who's in a similar position where he renovates vans and does that. And he's like, you know, maybe I should keep doing that until I get some cash going and then buy one. I'm like, dude, you're, you're renovating these vans. They look awesome. You're doing interior design. The house is the same thing. It's just on a bigger scale. So you're building up experience right there. Yeah, that's so true. I think a lot of people have a skill set they don't realize is a huge advantage that other people don't have that if they got started, they might have it a little easier because they have the skill that they can use and apply to to buying their first investment property. And I think asking like the, the $20,000, people get too hung up on finding the the perfect the best way, the biggest return on that first investment and don't get hung up on that. Like, look at all the different scenarios you can do with that money. Like, first of all, congratulations, you have $20,000 saved up. Like, you're way ahead of the average American, I would say, with that money ready to invest. Especially in college, right? Like, I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, negative in college, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that just look at the different ways you can get started and pick one. Okay. Run the numbers, look at what, you know, the property, the way you invest it. If you put a $20,000 down payment and maybe you buy two houses and do, you know, a $10,000 down payment on each and they're just smaller houses. If you partner with someone in five years, what are you going to end up with? And you don't have to make the perfect investment. You don't have to have the best return on your money because once you get started, like you're going to figure out so many other ways to keep buying properties and keep going because you become addicted. Momentum is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. Fantastic advice. All right. So Ryan, I want to take us to our next uh, section, which is our rookie exam. So these are the, the three most important questions that you'll ever be asked in your life. So are you ready for the exam? Yes. My deodorant stopped working an hour ago. <laughs> All right. So question number one, what's one actionable thing rookie should do after listening to your episode? Well, I'm assuming you're going to be, you're already reading, but hilarious that you brought that up because me and her just chatted the other day and just reading even if it's 10 pages a day just just enamor yourself in the in the mindset of doing real estate business it doesn't even have to be a real estate book right just just something that you're uh learning constantly every day and then let's say you were like me and you were reading and 
going down the rabbit hole of everything and talking yourself out of it and talking yourself into it and all that. And on the fence of just going in on it, even if, you know, you know, an Ashley in your neighborhood or someone like me just starting and they need help. I don't know, framing up a deck, something, just trying to like get used to the terminology and just dealing with people and the tenants and stuff like that. Cause you know, that's, that's just inevitable when you're on the job site and picking people's brains for information. I would just want to add in too, cause I know people are going to ask Ryan, this question is like, how do you find somebody like Ashley to talk with you or whatever? First of all, you taking me out to eat. So free food always works, but he will bring a piece of paper, like a notepad and he will have all of his questions ready to go and he will take notes. Like, I feel like sometimes I talk to people and they just ask very generic questions. And Ryan even said to me the other day, he came to my son's football practice and sat with me Whatever for two hours and kept me occupied while, and just like, we talked real estate the whole time. It was great, but he was willing to come and just sit there with me. And it, it is the same thing. He had like his questions ready. And he's like, I remember you saying before, like not to ask generic questions, like get super specific so that you can actually help me through my situation. And I thought that was like awesome that he's actually listened to things that I've said and that he comes prepared. He has his questions ready. Um, and then he takes notes too. Like I always think that like people that do take notes, like it shows that you are generally interested and you really want to like, you know, take action on what that person is saying instead of someone just like, Oh yeah, cool. Okay. And then like listening, how can you actually remember all of that? When I go to a restaurant and they like, they don't write down my order. I have severe anxiety that they're going to mess it up. Like dog, I mean, if you don't just write this down, like every other server in this restaurant, like, so, um, yeah, I think like having great questions prepared, asking like detailed questions and then, um, like taking notes, I think is, and that Ryan's obviously taken action too. And I don't want to toot your guys horn too much, but the more I immerse myself in this stuff, as I realize my time is very valuable and I can only imagine, like, I don't have kids, you guys have kids and stuff like you, your time is valuable and I can understand the frustration with being in a, in a position of having the knowledge and then being asked, like Ashley said, of generic stuff, like you can go on Google. Cause that's what I started with her. I was like bugging her. And then I'm like, wait, I got to just take some action. And then once I do it and trip over myself and then be like, Hey, how do I fix this? Or what about this? And it just, it kind of helps add value to each other. Cause you know, you don't want to be, I don't want to leech on her. That's why I'm, you know, offering her and Daryl, some help on their property. Yeah. Anything, he came out to I one of do. our properties so, and worked for a day with Daryl. Like that was awesome. Not a lot that he did of hard that, yeah. work. I was handing tools and stuff. <laughs> Daryl's smirking over here. But. Okay. So our next question is what apps tool or software do you use in your business right now? Boom. I was waiting for this rent. I got a good old rent ready from, from her. And then, uh, I'm sure there's probably a uh, promo code still active for all that. So if you guys want my referral, because I don't need her to send you the referral, I could use that hundred too. No, um, but no, it's very convenient and being me that I'm scatterbrained and stuff. That's why I do jot down notes when I do ask questions with everyone. Um, because I think it's just a society thing. Our brains are so overwhelmed with information. It's hard to, to keep all that together. So I think it's good to, to be organized. And this is, uh, you know, it's on a spreadsheet. Everything's at right at the app portal and it just helps organize the tenant and yourself. Cause like, you know, you're running a business. So you tell the tenant, Hey, this is how the business operates. A lot of people are like, Oh, I used to just give cash or run a check over. Well, you know, what if you're on vacation going back to the job thing? Like what if you're out somewhere and it is the end of the month and you, can't get your rent check because you're on vacation, you know, something trivial like that. And then it helps with, um, accounting, which I'm not good at. So that'll be all organized and just make it, um, a little easier at the end of the year, I would say. Awesome. So last question, where do you plan on being in five years? Five years. I, th I originally thought, okay, when I first bought my duplex, I'm like, oh man, I get five of these and I do the math. I'm like, that's more than I made working. But the more I thought about it, uh, is my friend said, Hey, are you going to, you're going to buy one next year? I'm like, I want to buy one this year. I don't want to wait that long. But, but as the more I thought I, I want 
multi bigger multi units because there's less grass. I mean, our our environment out here is we have all four seasons and it can be horrible. So there's just a lot of expenses involved with like say you had five properties, that's a lot of grass, a lot of driveways. So my goal would be to buy uh you know, in the, in the 10 to 15 unit range. Cause I just don't want to bite off too much, um, right off the bat, but I just like the versatility of, of having that much income and value add opportunities and stuff like that. I love that, man. Um, so moving into our, our last segment here, this is the, the rookie rock star and super excited for this one. Cause it's a, it's a great story. Today's rookie rock star. It's Patrick Eldridge. And Patrick says, my wife and I are no longer employees as of today. Our real estate journey started just under two years ago. And after working so incredibly hard, we were able to acquire a whopping 32 doors following the bird method. So Patrick, big congratulations to both you and your wife and uh, welcome to the matrix. Yes. Call me. <laughs> did you did you just watch the the Matrix recently or something? I that's didn't. like a couple times you reference it. I didn't. I just you know I just feel like quitting your job and and like doing the thing. So I don't know. I respect it. You know what, Tony? You've been on with this podcast for what two years? I think this is the first time you've ever quoted movies. You're like <laughs> trying to make up for never watching. Tommy for for Boy. never watching. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ryan, can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give you my other personal page cause I'm kind of a crazy man on that. Uh, but my, my real estate page is B N D rentals, boy, Nancy, David rentals. And I'm on there a lot because I am in a professional bum. So if you have questions or a deal or help, I mean, even if it's something I can't personally do, like Ashley said, maybe we'll know somebody. And, uh, I just love, reaching out and following just the, the like-minded people so we can just get to the path we want to go on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys. And Ryan's like computer conveniently wasn't working during his audio check yesterday. So he had to come over I and do to it check out person. this massive empire, this real estate <laughs> empire in person. So, Well, thanks so much for coming over and dealing with all our tech setup and everything. So um, thanks again. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we'll be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. Getting started in real estate can be daunting. There's so much to know, obstacles to overcome, lessons to learn, and risks to avoid. It can all be so overwhelming. If you're feeling motivated to invest, but too overwhelmed to take action, here's some advice. Take it one step at a time. And here's some good news for you. The Rookie Bootcamp is starting on May 20th, and Tyler and Ashley will be guiding you through each and every step until you're the proud, confident owner of your first investment property. Through eight action-packed weeks, they'll guide you step-by-step through those first questions, decisions, and obstacles that every beginner investor must overcome. So if you're serious about becoming an investor this year, head to biggerpockets.com step and join us in the Rookie Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.